Good morning. I'd like to welcome everyone to worship. Good to have you with us. A few announcements. A relationship workshop. Some of you need this. Is February 3rd and 10th. There is child care provided. Kids Against Hunger. This Wednesday, our second shift is full. First shift, we still need a few people from 4.30 to 6. If you've never been involved again with Kids Against Hunger, it's a very enjoyable event, and you're doing much good. Women's Book Group meets Tuesday at 7.30. Also, Women's Ministry on February 9th have a Bunko Night. Youth Group tonight is Paint Night. They also have a winter, winter Retreat February 9th through the 11th. Lent begins February 14th, and as you know, we have a lunch and we have a dinner. If you'd like to help make a lunch or just assist with a lunch or dinner, we would really appreciate it. And our theme this year is the Red Letters of Christ. Chicks with Sticks, January 25th. Also, a fellowship breakfast, January 27th. Reverend Fair is going to continue his discussion on transitions. And Family of God. Uh, we do a meal twice a month for Family of God, feeding up to 80, 90 people. For a number of years, you could contribute to help support that. It was over a year and a half ago. We just realized we, we're not a bank. We had so much money there. And, you know, people told us just to move the money around. But when you give a gift and if you give it to something, we are going to honor your wishes because your offerings, our offerings are holy. So we depleted the fund enough that we can once again have people sponsor Family of God. So check that out in your announcements. Also, next Sunday, we have a special violinist, and uh, she's a substitute at the DSO, uh, Melody Wutan, and um, she is going to play music from Schindler's List. The day before that Sunday is the Memorial Day that we remember Holocaust victims. So we're going to take $1,000 from our mission fund. Every time you give a dollar, 10% goes outside the church. 5% goes to the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, our church body. 5% we spend as we wish. Actually, as I wish. So <laughs> we're going to send 1000 to Samaritan's Purse, who's doing work in the Holy Land, obviously. And that's your offering. But if you want to contribute more, you could send it to Samaritan's Purse, but they're going to bombard you with more offering envelopes, and you're going to feel guilty. You don't want to feel guilty. So you can give it through Redeemer. Just make sure you send the check that it's for Samaritan's Purse. We rise for opening him. Safely to arrive. 
We make our beginning in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins unto God our Father, beseeching him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Amen. I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. Oh, Almighty God, merciful Father, I, a poor, miserable sinner, confess unto thee all my sins and iniquities with which I have ever offended thee and justly deserve thy temporal and eternal punishment. I am heartily sorry for them and sincerely repent of them. And I pray thee of thy boundless mercy, and for the sake of the holy, innocent, bitter sufferings and death of thy beloved Son, Jesus Christ, be gracious and merciful to me. Upon this your confession, I, as a called and ordained servant of the word, announce the grace of God unto all of you, and in the stand and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I assure you, your sins are forgiven in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. I'd like to invite the children up. Oh boy, it's going to be a good one. Pastor Jimmy brought his Legos. some stragglers. Good morning, everybody. Oh, that's pretty good. I know it's cold outside. Today, we're going to talk about this guy. I know you can't, you don't know who he is. This is a prophet named Jonah. Jonah. And Jonah was a prophet of God. And God said to Jonah, I want you to go to that city way over there and tell those people to be nice. They were very bad simmers, and God wanted them to repent. City way over there. Well, Jonah didn't want to do that. So he got on a boat, and he tried to take the boat this way, as far as he could go. Well, that's not what God told him to do. So he gets thrown out of the boat, and a big fish swallows him up, and starts going this way, yes, and takes him to where the city is. And then the whale goes, Bleh, and spits Jonah out. Yes. Jonah goes to the city, and he tells the people what God had said. And because of the power of God's word, even though they were sinners, they repented, and God forgave them. And that's the moral of the story. God forgives sins. He erases sins. Through Jesus. So you're all going to get a little eraser to remind you that Jesus erases your sin. So I want to thank you for coming up. And you got the, okay, they're going to be down in the lower level. Okay. The Old Testament reading for today is taken from the book of Jonah, chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, 40 more days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. 
the Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them from the greatest to the least put on sackcloth. Here ends the Old Testament reading. The epistle for today is taken from the first letter of John, chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands, is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. Here ends the epistle reading. for the reading of the gospel. The Holy Gospel for today is taken from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, beginning with verse 14. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Here ends our gospel lesson. We confess our Christian faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and all things visible and invisible, and in one Obviously, we remain standing. Peace be upon with prayer. 
Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. Well, as most of you know, two weeks ago, I was in St. Louis at Concordia Seminary taking Preaching 2. Yes, I'm sure some of you are thinking, did he ever take Preaching 1? Go ahead and laugh. That's a good joke. It's okay. Uh, thanks, Rick. I had... Uh, uh, we had quite a bit of pre-work to do before the class. There were several books to read, and I had to write a couple of sermons. And we were given some choices. We were told we could write a wedding sermon or an Old Testament sermon. And then we had to write a topical sermon. And a topical sermon is a sermon based on a topic and not a specific text in Scripture. Well, I'm going to town on my topical sermon. I'm like, this is good. Oh, this is really good. I'm going to preach this on the 21st. I had the bulletin done. I was ready to go. And then I turned it in. <laughs> you know where this is going. <laughs> I didn't get a bad grade on it, but there was a lot of notes. So many so as I decided, I'm just going to shelve this for now, and I'm going to start on something new. So I looked in the pericope, and it was on Jonah. We were talking about Jonah in class. I'm like, this is perfect. So we're going to start over, and I'm going to do a sermon on Jonah. Interesting, the LCMS, for a long time, preachers didn't talk about the Old Testament. They figured that was all law. They only preached on the New Testament. And it's nice that the seminary is getting away from that and encouraging preachers to, to preach on the Old Testament. It's something not only that they're encouraging us to do, but they're actually equipping us with the way to do it, which is nice. Uh, in fact, the Old Testament sermon that I did turn in got an excellent grade, and you will have the pleasure of hearing that eventually, just not today. So, <laughs> We heard in our Old Testament the story of Jonah. Jonah 3, verse 4. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days in Nineveh shall be overthrown. How did Jonah get there? I mean, who even was Jonah? I mean, Jonah's not a long book. It's only four chapters long. It's a pretty easy read. Is Jonah a real story, or is it a parable? There's a big debate about that. Well, in Matthew 12, 39 and 40, Jesus says, An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Okay, so now we know he's a prophet. It goes on to say, For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And we're going to hear that number three throughout the stories. Well, based on that, it certainly seems like this is a real story. Jesus isn't referring to it as a parable, unless, of course, he's wrong. Okay, rule number one in seminary, Jesus is never wrong, okay? That, write that down. <laughs> we think the story occurred about 785 B.C., but dates you always have to be cautious with. Let's go back to the beginning of our text and figure out how Jonah got into the predicament he was in. Jonah 1.1. Now, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, which, by the way, Jonah means dove, the son of Amadi, and that means loyal or faithful, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish. Now, the city, Tarshish, we're not exactly sure which one he was going to. There was a city north of Joppa, kind of close to Nineveh, but then there was another one 4,000 miles away on the coast of Spain. Scholars think he was going to the one on the coast of Spain because he wanted to get as far away from Nineveh as possible. Now you have to understand, the Ninevites were not good people. Nineveh was the capital of Assyria, a powerful and ruthless empire, more than four, 500 miles north of Jonah's hometown. They would destroy cities and villages. They would forcibly relocate people or enslave them. They were the bitter enemies of Israel. So Nineveh was not, not a nice place. It was not on the coast either. It was a landlocked city 
most modern, most people think it is near the modern city of Mosul. And we know it's a big city. It takes three days to, to walk across the city. Now in Jonah 3.9, it says, Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey of breath. So Jonah was ready, he had a very successful ministry in Jerusalem. He was ready to give that all up and take off. He was going to skip town because he didn't like the Ninevites and didn't want any part of them. And we know what happens. He gets a boat, and we know, but the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea. And there, upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Uh, we find in the Lutheran Study Bible, it says, Jonah rose up to flee. A response was a jarring aberration for a servant of the Lord. Scripture nowhere reports that any other prophet disobeyed God's call. Now, one aside I didn't include, we hear where Jonah paid a fare to get on the boat. I think most of us think if you pay a fare, it's like a cab fare or an airline fare, you're buying a seat. But my professor had made a point two weeks ago. He said, no, Jonah actually bought the ship. He was the owner of the ship. And I went into the study Bible, and the study Bible had said, well, the lower deck area is a set aside for crew and passengers. So I went to the professor. Professor, the study Bible says this. Never tell the professor he's wrong. You know, that, that, that's not a good deal. But he said, no, if you go to the Concordia Commentary by uh, Reed Lessing, it confirms that he paid the fare for the ship. Now you're thinking, what does it matter if he paid the fare, bought the ship? Or, well, scholars think if he bought the ship, it shows how dedicated he was not to go to Nineveh. He was just going to start over somewhere else being a, being a boat transporter of things. So he really didn't want to do this. Now we know the men on the ship, they were all Gentiles. So they're in the storm, and they're praying to their gods, and they just cannot figure out what's going on. And then Jonah tells them it's his fault. He fesses up, and he says in Jonah 1.12, he said to them, Pick me up and hurl me into the sea. The sea will quiet down for you, for I know it because of me this great tempest has come upon you. So the sailors did not throw Jonah into the sea against his will. I think many misinterpret that to see they grabbed him. He volunteered. He said, this is my fault. Throw me into the sea. Well, that makes Jonah sound very noble, doesn't it? He's sacrificing himself for the sailors. Doing some research, a lot of scholars are like, no, no, he just wanted off the boat. He still had no intention of going to Nineveh and just, just gave, gave up on that. So... We know then what happens. You saw the children's message. The big fish comes along, swallows him up, and he's in the fish for three days. We hear three. I wonder if you can imagine what it must have smelled like in the belly of that fish. I mean, think about it. If you've ever been to a marina that has a, a fishing charter area, or worse, been to the ocean during a red tide or something, it had to just be awful, maybe a thousand times worse. You know, when Jesus was crucified on that hill, that hill was right next to a garbage dump. And I'm sure it had to smell terrible there as well. Just, just pointing that out. Now, Jonah is in the fish, and he's praying. And he thinks the fish is going to take him to hell because he defied God. But instead, the Lord in Jonah 2.10, and the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Now, what's interesting here is when the Ninevites see Jonah, they're probably thinking, yes, look at what our God did. Woo-hoo. You see, the Ninevites, they didn't pray to God that we know. One of the gods they prayed to was a god called Dagon, and he was a fish god. So when they hear this story, the fish saved Jonah, and they're probably thinking, yeah, look at our God go. He's so great. But then Jonah says, Yet 40 days in Nivea shall be overthrown. So now they must be going, wait, 40 days we're going to be overthrown? Why would our God say that to us? Maybe that's not our God. Maybe who is this God that Jonah's referring to? What's he speaking about? And what has happened? We hear this in Jonah 3.9. And the people of Nivea believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. When God saw what they had did, what they did, 
and how they turned from their evil ways, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. God's all-powerful word caused Nineveh to repent, and they repented with all their hearts. They were even trying to get their animals to repent. It was like a mass hysteria of repentance. Think about that. The most effective sermon ever preached, yet 40 days in Nineveh shall be overthrown. Eight words. Eight powerful words. Show of hands, how many would like eight-word sermons going forward? Anybody? Yeah, okay, so... <laughs> You notice what Jesus said in our gospel message in Mark. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. And that is our gospel message. You see it in the Old Testament. God will always keep his promise. And we see it in the New Testament that God kept his promise in Jesus. And in this case, it wasn't even the people of Israel he saved. He saved a bunch of evil non-believers. Who else saved a bunch of non-believers and Gentiles? Jesus did. Jesus reached out to the Gentiles. You see how that tracks both the Old Testament and the New Testament. And we see Jesus in the Old Testament. We see it in the prophecies of Isaiah. You just have to learn where to look. We can see it here in the story of Jonah. Three days in the belly of the fish, three days on the cross, saving Gentiles. It's there. The end of the book takes a very odd turn. God spared Nineveh, and you would think Jonah would be happy. Man, look at that eight-word sermon. I got the whole city to repent. I am one heck of a prophet. No, he's not thinking that. He's angry. He's angry at God because he wants God to destroy that city. And he sits down, and he waits to see what happens. And it's a hot, sunny day, so God puts a tree over his head to give him some shade, and Jonah's like, oh, this is kind of nice. And then the next day, God takes the tree away. And now he's back in the blazing sun, and Jonah's angry again at God. And God finally says to Jonah, And the Lord said, You pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow which came into being in at night and perished in a night. And, I should, not, or, and should I not pity the city of Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons, who do not know their hand from their left and are also much cattle. But Jonah hated that group so much that he wanted, he wanted God to kill Jonah. He hated the city so much, he wanted God to strike them all dead, which is a lot of hate. That's a lot of hate for a group. You have groups maybe that you have some disregard for, maybe you shouldn't. Think about that. But what we see in Jonah is God's grace on display. He knows they don't know him, just like the Pharaoh in Egypt, or Cyrus, king of Persia. He was able to turn their hearts. When God sends you a message, you should follow it, but not because of the law. Don't mistake that, not because of the law, but because of God's promise to you. This is his promise in Jesus Christ, why you should want to follow him and his instructions. It's a promise he will always keep. Let him turn your heart. Let him keep his promise through Jesus' death and resurrection. It's a promise that even you can't make him break. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We rise to sing the offertory. glass of water.
Dear gracious Father, we give thanks for the wayward prophet Jonah this day. Though he hated the people, he delivered your message and your word has power and they repented. We pray that we would proclaim your word in all truth and purity and that we would not reflect hatred like Jonah, but reflect your love that you have for all creation. Be with those who are grieving. We remember Rich Krentz and family as they mourn the passing of Duane and also the family and friends of Grace Holland. Those facing health concerns, Reverend Bill Reed, Linda Christensen, John Wargelin, Michael, Ken Sugg, Ted, Sharon Frey, Jim Casper, Patricia Hunsinger, Richard Bergstrom, Keith Murphy, Carol Romeo, Joe Legault, Evelyn Springstead, Greg Merriman, Mary Ann, Mick Lanthier, Tim Nelt, Myrna Orva, Beth Hamada, Dr. Dale Robinson, and Ron Ging. And pray with all, we pray for all those in hospice who are awaiting your call home. And be with Etta Unruh, continue to watch over her. And the flowers on the altar given by David and Rose Keel in celebration of their anniversary. We ask all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Jesus Christ in the night he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying take and eat this is my body which is given for you this do in remembrance of me in the same manner also he took the cup after supper and when he had given thanks he gave it to them saying drink ye all of it this cup is the new testament in my blood which is shed for you for the remission of sins this do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me the peace of the Lord be with you always.
we rise. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant to you his peace. Mm-hmm.